0: From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Chuck Quernbach, filling in for Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of wispolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Well, hi, J.R. Welcome to the Election Eve edition of Capital Notes. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about what key developments you will be watching Tuesday and Tuesday night. Just looking at pure number stuff. So things we'll be watching are, for example, what's
1: the margin in the Senate race? You know, if Mandela Barnes wins, for example, probably really good news for Tony Evers. If Ron Johnson wins and, you know, things look like they're trending his direction, the question is what's the margin going to be? If Johnson were to win by one or two points, you can definitely see a path for Tony Evers to win. If Johnson will win by, say, five points, it's tougher to see because we don't have that many ticket splitters left in Wisconsin. Now, granted, we saw a number of them back in 2018 in the governor's race and the senate race, but our partisan lines have hardened even more in the last four years. So people are watching that. Uh, number two, what role does Joan Benglinger play in this race? Uh, she is the independent who has dropped out, endorsed Tim Michaels, but she remains on the ballot. In the last Marquette Law School poll is a dead even race between Evers and Michaels, but Joan was at two points. She complicates the math for Tim Michaels because again, if you know what the margin is in the senate race. There could be that couple three points between Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes, but if Joan polls a point or two, that may allow Evers to get through without getting to 50%. So you know things like that I'm watching. Then just general turnout. There are some questions like, what's Kenosha going to look like? Uh, remember, Kenosha County has been kind of a a swingy county lately. It's been trending more Republican over the years compared to where it was a couple decades ago. That's in part because You're seeing more folks from Illinois move across the state line uh, to move into Wisconsin. A lot of union guys who've been there from the old factories are moving more and more to the Republican Party, so it's not the Kenosha you used to know. Plus, there's the 2020 violent protest. Is there a hangover effect for Tony Evers from that? People in Kenosha were critical of him, some, about how he handled things there. Uh, He's defended that performance, but Tim Michaels made an issue of it. It, Is that going to be a weakness for him on Tuesday?
0: Well, certainly the media, the parties, the campaigns, uh, the Wisconsin Elections Commission are going to be helping us monitor uh, turnout, are they not?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, really, the best way is kind of keep an eye on the returns we get from uh, people like the Associated Press. Uh, remember, we don't have a central uh, gathering point run by state government. It's all private uh, outlets that do it. And just compare it to 2018. Is, is it turn up up or down compared to 2018? And what's the margin compared to four years ago?
0: I think that uh, reporters, candidates, political junkies are going to be up very late uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Uh, Am
1: I right? It depends. You know what margins we see coming out. Also, what's absentee voting look like? Remember, in twenty twenty, part of the reason why we had up so late was the surge in absentee ballots. It was roughly three four a.m. before Milwaukee finished its count. uh, Green Bay around four or five. If I recall correctly, Um, remember those communities use use what's called central count. And that means that all absentee ballots go to one place and they count them all in that one spot. In places like Madison where I live, the clerk takes the absentee ballots, sends them out uh, election morning, and they go out to the uh, precincts where they would have been cast if they were voted in person, they're counted there. Um, Madison gets done fairly quickly, Uh, Milwaukee does not. Now that has obviously fueled a number of conspiracy theories about the election from 2020, Uh, those are all false. Uh, What we do know, though, is we can look Tuesday morning and see roughly how many absentee ballots were sent out to voters and have an idea Then, okay, when Milwaukee finishes its count Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, we will know how many votes are going to be added in uh, once that is finished. So it should uh, maybe ally some of those conspiracy theories about what's going on in Milwaukee. But the way people have been these days, I don't know if that's going to really truly calm their fears or their unfounded fears.
0: Certainly, there's been a lot of turnout efforts uh, leading up to Tuesday night. Uh, what stood out for you in recent days?
1: You know, the surrogate visits. You know, Bernie Sanders was in uh, over the weekend. Saw a number of people coming in to try and rally the troops. We did not, however, see Donald Trump. I think the Michael's folks were happy that didn't happen. Um, they were kind of holding their breath about whether Trump would make a, an appearance. I remember, you know, Trump endorsed Michael's in the primary. Did a rally for him in Waukesha. There is a sense that with the issues that Tony Evers has raised against Tim Michaels, things about sexual harassment suits at Michael's Corporation, uh, Michael's position on abortion, that having Trump come in would have only reminded those kind of suburban female voters that Dems are targeting on those issues like abortion. Just kind of the link to Trump and Trump turned those voters off. So I get the impression that Michael's folks were not too unhappy that we didn't see a return from Donald Trump.
0: And Senator Sanders, he spoke in Eau Claire, La Crosse, Madison, Oshkosh, at or near college campuses. A big push by Democrats and progressive groups for younger voters. How important will turnout be among younger voters uh, Tuesday night? It's always
1: uh, midterm elections. Turnout among
0: young voters always drops.
1: It's been a pattern we've seen for a long time. The question is, for Democrats, can they get up to a level that it would help? We're not seeing a huge numbers and the polls of people say young people say they're really excited to vote but we'll see maybe if these efforts help they really kind of turn that and get them to turn out because you know for every bit helps if it's going to be a 50 50 race like the marquette poll found then anybody who can find a turnout on your side is going to help you significantly
0: and groups like the working families party and others citizen action uh pushing a lot of turnout efforts in lower income neighborhoods especially in milwaukee that's also part of the equation isn't
1: it oh absolutely look I, both sides are really good at turning out their voters. They don't forget how to do turn operations in years when they lose. Uh, the challenge, though, is your turnout, your ground game can only be good for a point or two. It's not going to make up five points. If you are in a race where the enthusiasm and the energy is on the other side, you can't overcome that the turnout game. Now, if you're down by a point, that's a different story. But let's not, you know, assume that oh, all these efforts are going to be the key difference. There is environmental things. You know, what's driving people to polls if crime and inflation are really the number one and two issues that for voters that's probably good for republicans even if democrats have a great turnout game likewise if abortion and concerns about gun safety really drive people on tuesday that's probably good for democrats no matter how good a ground game republicans have
0: now, while I've been focusing a lot on governor and Senate races, uh, you guys at West Politics have also been doing a nice job of looking at the supermajority issue in the state legislature. Where do things stand there as far as, I guess, Republicans picking up even more seats?
1: There's a path to get there. Getting there, though, requires winning at least one deep blue seat. And the question is... Will things be bad enough on Tuesday for Democrats to allow that to happen? Now, you start doing some math, Republicans in the Senate are all all but guaranteed to have a supermajority. Looking at the spending, Democrats have pulled back to really one race where they're really focusing their efforts with Jeff Smith over in western Wisconsin, the Eau Claire area. Democrats have to defend two seats if they want to avoid being coming back with less than enough to block a veto override. They are only spending in one of those seats really heavily right now, so they're not necessarily conceding the two-thirds majority, but their spending sure looks like they're acknowledging it's likely to happen there. So in the Assembly, Republicans start with 61 seats this session. They are going to almost surely pick up a 62nd because the Brookfield area district of Sarah Rodriguez, who's running for lieutenant governor, was redrawn to be so Republican. Uh, Democrats aren't really contesting that one very heavily, so that gets you to 62. You have to go win two northern seats looking at the spending, Democrats are really putting money into one, not the other. So uh, that area's been trending Republican. They're, they're kind of 50-50 seats on the numbers. If you look at the 2016 and 2020 presidential election and the 2018 governor's race, but this is a midterm election with a Democrat in the White House. You assume it's going to be a decent year for Republicans. That makes it harder to hold those seats, even if they're 50-50. So Republicans win those. Now you're at 64. Now to get to 66, you almost all, certainly have to beat Steve Doyle, who's over in Alaska. Uh, Western Wisconsin, long-term incumbent, really well-funded, facing a guy in his 20s who's been legislative aide whose father, Mike Hipsch, uh, held that assembly seat before Steve Doyle won it back in a special election in 2011. Mike Hipsch was the assembly speaker, uh, administration secretary for Scott Walker, then a member of the Public Service Commission, a lot of resources going there. In wave years, people like Steve Doyle lose, even if they're well-funded, good lawmakers who have you know worked hard Sometimes you can't overcome a wave, all right? But from there, you have to go win a seat that's probably in the mid 50s for Democrats in terms of head to head performance, top of the ticket. The real focus is kind of the Oshkosh open seat and then a seat in Kenosha. The Oshkosh seat, the Oshkosh mayor, Laurie Palmieri, had some legal problems uh, years ago. Uh, probably have brought those back up and focused on them, really knocking here on those issues. So, what I've wondered though is we're in an environment where, for example, Uh, Herschel Walker down in Georgia is alleged to have paid for two abortions, but Republicans aren't abandoning him. What I've wondered and asked insiders about is, are we so tribalistic, if you will, that doesn't matter what you've done or what flaws you may have? It's as long as you have the right letter behind your name, I am going to vote for you. So it's a Democratic district. Will Democrats have any issues with their legal problems? We shall see. Uh, If the other guy, Donnie Herman, I believe his name is, if he can pick up the votes, but that's one to watch. I mean, if if Democrats are losing a seat like that, it's probably a wavier. Then you had the Kenosha seat, which really wasn't a lot of attention in the start of the cycle, but that Kenosha effect, that's what we talked about with the governor's race, that's apparently coming through. Tip McGuire is a a Democrat, won that seat in 2019 special election. They're going after him on crime. That's a potent issue, Republicans believe. If you're losing that kind of a seat, you're talking about it being probably a tsunami year, a good wave year for Republicans. And the flip side of this all is, if you're Democrat and you're losing seats like McGuire's or that open Oshkosh seat, it probably doesn't matter about the veto-proof majority because Tim Michael is probably going to win. You're talking about losing really good Dem seats. Um, so yes, it'd be a two-thirds majority, but Republicans probably wouldn't need it because they'd probably have Tim Michael's in the East Wing.
0: And finally, uh, speaking of uh, wrongdoing or at least alleged uh, criminal wrongdoing, uh, where does this Milwaukee development, uh, a deputy uh, the Election Commission fired and facing charges for sending military ballots to a Republican lawmaker from Menominee Falls uh, a brief uh, cloud or a longer lasting one over Tuesday night's results I you know charges were filed late last week I,
1: the impression I got from talking to people right after this all happened was this is just going to fuel those conspiracy theories about Milwaukee uh, Republicans don't trust Milwaukee when it comes to elections fair or not that's just the way it is um, and this is the kind of thing that's not going to help them get overcome those trust issues. I don't know it's going to make a difference. If it's not a close race, probably not a big deal. But if we're talking close races on Tuesday and there's anything that people can scream about fraud, then it's going to become an issue. That's the thing to watch is what's the margin on Tuesday in these races and do people start, you know, pointing out things they think are improprieties and trying to raise concerns or challenges to the results on Tuesday.
0: Okay, well, thanks, JR. Hey, we'll talk to you midday Wednesday for a special edition of Capital Notes airing during our local All Things Considered segments that afternoon.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: That was J.R. Ross of wispolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Chuck Kornbach. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.